0: Matthew twenty-eight nineteen to 20 IV Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. For Christians, there should be no argument over this directive that Jesus gave us. As disciples of Jesus, we are to make disciples of all nations. If someone asked you what was the primary responsibility that Jesus gave us, this would undoubtedly have to be it. There is no other responsibility that takes precedence over this one that I am aware of when it comes to the task given to the church. When Peter preached to the Jews in Jerusalem, Peter showed them that Jesus was the Lord and Messiah promised by God and as recorded in Acts 2:36 to 41. That day there were added about 3000 souls. And as the apostle Paul testified, they preach Christ crucified. 1 Corinthians 123. When those who are saved are addressing the unsaved, there is only one topic, there is only one message. And of course, once that threshold has been crossed, where the unsaved become disciples of Jesus, we are then further instructed to teach the new disciples to do everything that Jesus commanded them to do. That is the Great Commission. Now I'd like you to consider a couple of points, if you can bear with me. Every political, religion, economic, and educational institution or system thinks that they stand for objective truth, where objective truth would happen to be true for everyone, whether they agree with it or not, because it is an objective truth. An example of an objective truth would be that Paris is currently the capital of France. You may not believe that Paris is currently the capital of France but it doesn't matter what you believe, because Paris is currently the capital of France and thus an objective truth or reality for everyone. Denying that Paris is the current capital of France does not change the fact or reality that it is an objective truth. But from a humanistic perspective, what one person may view as objective truth, can often be viewed by others as a subjective truth or reality. Derived from a singular position, which others may or may not necessarily believe to be true. An example of a subjective truth is where I say that I have brown eyes. Because I do have brown eyes, that statement is true for me, but if you have blue eyes, it would not be true for you. So, from a humanistic perspective, what some of us view as objective truth, canon is often viewed as subjective truth by others. I'm thinking we really need to understand this because when we really get down to it, there is only one divine objective truth, and that truth is Jesus. The problem being, in our democratic society, we are very much divided with regard to what is objective truth. One of the questions being asked right now is when your rights or freedoms affect my rights or freedoms, which or whose rights or freedoms take priority, because both of our rights and freedoms cannot be equally exercised at the same time. When you have one perspective that makes up 10% of society and another perspective that makes up 90% of society, the situation is solved because the majority rules but what we are seeing now is a much bigger and growing split and that is not going to work, because as the split gets bigger, neither perspective can be ultimately achieved. It's not a win-slash-lose situation, it's a lose-slash-lose situation, and we really need to take a good hard look at what exactly is at stake here. One perspective has their objective facts and the other perspective have their objective facts and neither side accepts the other's facts as valid or objective legitimate or trustworthy sources by one perceived objective perspective are not recognized by the other as objective, valid or trustworthy and he says, she says, is commonly sourced from opposing political and news media sources, until we arrive at where we are today. I liken it to a hamster on a circular wheel, it just never stops and we get literally nowhere. And here is a question, how many of us are hamsters on that wheel? Totalitarian countries like China, North Korea and Russia don't have this problem because they dictate what the accepted objective truth is. Disagreement about what the objective truth is, is not tolerated. One can only imagine how gleeful they are right now. And I would think that one would be foolish to not realize that dividing a democratic nation is an objective that they vigorously pursue, because of the obvious advantages it presents. And is there considerable evidence that these totalitarian countries are collectively and individually pursuing this? Yes there is, depending upon of course, your perspective of what constitutes a reliable or unreliable objective source. It matters not which side of the divided equation one is on, the underlying deeper problem is that we are divided in what our collective objective truth is, both as a nation and also as Christ's church. And that of course is tied into, which worldview one adheres to. A ship cannot set a course for two opposite directions at the same time. Or like Jesus said, a house divided cannot stand. Mark 3:25. If ever there was a time to focus on our priority responsibilities as Christians, it is now and I am not talking about worldly endeavors. I'm pretty sure that is part of the reason why we are where we are right now. Jesus spoke to his disciples about all these things that we are now seeing happening before he went to the cross and he told them not to fear that he had overcome the world. John 16 Obviously that is an objective truth that not everyone agrees with, but I happen to think Jesus knows exactly what he is talking about. Jesus also told us that these things must happen, Luke 21 9. Do you think this could be a wake-up call? For far too long, too many of us, as Christians, put our worldly responsibilities over our kingdom disciple responsibilities, because that is where our hearts were. And by aiming for the worldly, we are losing both. So the question I would like to put on the table is this, if you, as a Christian, are actively involved in correcting or changing the minds of those who adhere to a differing worldly objective perspective that differs from your own, be it political or any of the various COVID-19 controversies that are currently awash everywhere you look, if your objective truth for these worldly concerns is not accepted as valid truth, by a good portion of the populace, how are you going to change their minds? It's like a snowball fight that never ends. And also of great importance, how does what you are doing now, in your worldly endeavors, affect your credibility with regard to your primary responsibility for Christ's church. I am not advocating abandoning your political electoral responsibilities, I am not advocating not keeping yourself informed and making responsible decisions, and even sharing how those decisions were made, when and if asked, but that is secondary responsibility and if the secondary affects the primary responsibility given to all of us, especially with regard to maintaining credibility, then know that it comes at a cost. The truth of the matter is that Jesus said His kingdom is not of this world, it encompasses far beyond what we see happening here. It goes way beyond this physical life that we hold on to. Jesus spoke of us in prayer, to our Father, as being in the world but not of the world, like He is, John 17:16). We really need to take this to heart. Something to think about. Worthy is the Lamb. Blessings.